0: founder of vidyard again they are growing almost doubling year over year since the last time we had them on they've passed a thousand customers additional product lines growing not only wallet share on their current base but expanding their total addressable market 70 million bucks raised they're just now dipping into the 35 million they raised in their series c about 18 19 months ago they've doubled their team up to 300 people between vancouver boston and waterloo again helping you with video marketing and many many other aspects surrounding that space this is the top where i interview Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you wanna get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing though, this database, Hello, everyone. My guest today is Michael Litt. He's the co-founder and CEO of the leading video marketing platform called Vidyard. While he's not bringing leading video-based technologies to market, he serves as general partner of Garage Capital, a seed seed stage fund focused on super cluster companies looking to expand their networks into Silicon Valley. He also sits on the Communitech Board of Directors, a KW-based organization designed to help companies start, grow, and succeed. Michael, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. You You bet. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So we had you on back. mean, it was almost I think we were just talking about a year ago. And at that point, uh, you shared with us. The company was launched in 2010. I think you had 132 employees at that time. Uh, give us an update. What's video do for people that missed that uh, episode? And where, where are you guys at now?
1: Yeah, so we're about double in size. Uh, we're approaching uh, 250 employees now. Uh, so pretty quick growth as it is in, uh, in high growth scaling SaaS. Uh, we're now across three offices, Vancouver, Boston, and our headquarters in Kitchener Waterloo. And we've launched a whole bunch of new products, including a, a self-serve, uh, product called Mute It. Uh, Say it again, what's it called? It's called Mute It. Mute It. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, V-I-E-W-E-D-I-T. Uh, it was launched as a test to see if we could build a product that was free for all users to easily create video content, webcam recording, screen recording. Um, turns out it's very useful for sales prospecting, internal communication. Uh, customer success and uh, we actually just announced that we uh, had a hundred thousand or hundred thousand users sign up uh, a couple weeks ago uh and that was just just since october so it's been a, a fun ride
0: that's great okay so when was and is that by the way is that tool still free yep okay got it so viewed it and is it um is it a chrome extension or how does it actually work
1: it's a chrome extension yeah yeah so it's uh In the future, um, there's obviously going to be a mobile version and an extensionless version of that tool, but one click to install. Uh, one click to either record your webcam or your desktop or uh, a browser or your tab in your browser. When you send the video, uh, so if you dump it into Gmail, it automatically parses it as a thumbnail. You send it to the recipient, and then you get a notification and an email that tells you uh, how much of the video the recipient viewed uh, and, and for how long. So that's why it's called Viewed It. Uh, and again, it tends to be very useful in, uh, in sales prospecting.
0: Yeah, this is great. So I want to get more into how you decide at a company or scale to launch new products and, and how you decide which products to launch uh, when you do that. Quick update funding-wise, last time you were on, you had about $70 bucks raised. Have you just focused on using that aggressively, or have you raised additional capital?
1: Yeah, so one of the unique opportunities of being a Canadian company is that uh, we sell in in primarily USD and spend in Canadian. Um, So there's a bit of a hedge on Forex, which allows our money to go a lot further than it would if we were elsewhere in the world. So we actually just started dipping into the Series C cash. Uh, We raised it well in advance of needing it, and uh, um, you know, we've been pretty conservative with spend uh, despite our growth.
0: What was the Series C portion of the seventy million? Uh, Thirty-five. Thirty-five. And and when did you raise that round?
1: That was uh, announced in uh, January of twenty sixteen. Now.
0: Yeah. So almost, what, I mean, that's almost what 18, 19 months ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: that's serious in advance. That's some good planning.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what? You uh, so a wise person once told me to drink tea when tea is served. <laughs>
0: That's
1: good. And you mentioned you're, you're
0: you feel like you're pretty strong at kind of managing burn. Give us some insight into that, right? So we only have maybe a handful. I want to say maybe 20 or 30 CEOs that have raised you know 100 million bucks, or they're definitely on the IPO track. And so when I have a chance to talk about things like burn at that scale, I do it. How do you? I mean, how do you manage that?
1: Yeah. So first of all, uh, your CFO has to become what we call the house of no. And so, you get to a phase where as you bring in experienced executives and individuals who've been a part of bigger businesses, they want to spend a lot of money. They know there's a big balance sheet, uh, they want to hire uh, really valuable executives, um, they want to spend lots of money on campaigns, you know, maybe they want to do a Super Bowl commercial which everybody knows is an awful idea. And so, A, the CFO is, is final approval on anything over a, a certain amount of money. You have to put these policies and parameters in place. You have to hold everybody accountable to budgets. We have a very strict budgeting process, which starts about three months before our year end. We use a platform called Adaptive Insights, where we allocate budgets according uh, to the board rollout plan. And then the final thing is, um, it's based on your values. So one of our values is to be relentlessly resourceful. That's a value that we carried forward from YC. It's something that Paul Graham wrote an essay about a very long time ago, um, and through that mindset being a value of the company, it means we hire against that mindset, we fire against that mindset, um, and people are, are applauded and for doing big things with as little money as possible. Because at the end of the day, this company dies if we run out of cash. And so we have to be very careful with our lifeline and make sure that we can grow the business and, and attain a level of, of top line ARR required for the next funding vehicle, whether that's an IPO, a PE round, another growth stage round, et cetera, to justify a larger value. And uh, we need to maintain that, that cash and bank to get to that point.
0: Yep. now I think you mentioned, just to understand some economics around the kinds of companies and the kinds of- people using you i think you shared last time you had an arpu is this sound right about 2500 bucks a month
1: yeah yeah it's uh that's about right and
0: what are they getting for that
1: Yeah, so um, the company has has definitely diversified its product line. So one of my goals as CEO and a product-oriented CEO has been to build technologies that consistently expand our total addressable market uh, while expanding our share of wallet inside our company. So we'll often sell into the marketing team as a beachhead and maybe the marketing team is buying our live streaming solution, uh, personalized video, uh, a video hub, or just the video analytics platform for which they're managing all of their content. That generally is the starting point that um, has that ARPU associated with it. We have a, we now have a segmentation inside of that product where we'll actually sell a a cheaper version of that tool to an SME. So a business doing less than $50 million in revenue actually will get a discounted rate on some of that functionality. Um, Same thing goes for an enterprise that is using a whack of video inside of the system and a bunch of integrations. They'll obviously pay much more than that. Um, Then we introduce our sales solutions, which are powered by this product called Vudit, uh, which is a video prospecting and, and selling tool that connects to CRM. We've got our service and Support solution, which integrates with Service Cloud and Zendesk, so you can respond to support tickets, etc. With video, and all of that content goes back to the same hub. So since we last spoke, our stayed about the same in that we've introduced a new lower segment, but it grows. Um, that's our ARPU on an initial customer acquisition. It grows over time as we go across the company and, and get a larger share of wallet of that business.
0: What it, I mean, annually, if someone's paying you 10 grand in, in year one, are you pretty predictably expanding that to 15 grand in year two for 50? 15- percent expansion what's the expansion on average
1: yeah so our target for upsell within the base is is, uh, actually about 30% of net new revenue. It's aggressive. Oh, of net new revenue. Okay. Yeah, net new revenue. So um, I don't know on a a customer by customer basis, but the the key KPI for a customer experience team is 30% upsell.
0: Yep. Interesting. And you do that again by increasing seat uh, kind of usage and also now upselling additional product lines that increase your wallet share on these current customers, but also increase your total addressable market.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of the strategy a lot of a lot of growth companies employ, but obviously only successful if your customers are getting value out of your product.
0: Michael, to your credit, I mean, a lot of times when I talk to CEOs at this stage, they are thinking, they are th- they are not thinking about those two things at the same time. They're thinking about products that are completely like separate to, to increase their total addressable market, or ways to game their inside sales team to drive more expansion revenue. You're kind yeah. of doing both. It sounds like with one stone, and that's evidenced in the viewed in the Chrome store you can see it's got about 65,000 weekly active users so it seems like it's growing pretty healthily.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: That's awesome. Um where are you guys today in terms of uh just logo ch- pure logo churn annually?
1: Logo churn annually. So, um, I personally do not know the logo churn number. Yeah. Um, however, so our, our net retention in terms of revenue and gross retention in terms of revenue, we target to be best in class SaaS. Um, best in class tends to be for gross tends to be north of 90. Yep. Um, our internal target is 95, um, of which I'm compensated against, and then uh, best in class net retention uh, tends to be about the 120% range. Um, and of course, based on that gross retention number and our 30% target, which we hit, we're about that as well
0: that's great and where are you guys at today in terms of total customers using the platform
1: uh, we're north of north of 1,000 is, is probably the best uh, best communication I can give you there. But, um, you know, the, the, the next important milestone for us is is 10. But as we now have this, this free product viewed it, um, it's being used in, in tons of organizations. So given the number of users on that product in, in terms of an NAU basis, um, I would say that our technologies exist in, in, in approaching 10,000 businesses around the world.
0: That's great. That's exciting. So, I'll, look, I have to dive deep here because it's fun. A, a fun when I have folks on that have been on twice, especially about a year apart. It makes all the numbers super easy. I mean, last time you were on, I forget if you directly said this or if I multiplied ARPU times your customer base, but you were doing somewhere around 7 to $8 million in ARR. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're, you're well on track to double that year over year. Is that generally accurate to the extent you can talk about it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's, a, there's obviously not a ton of strategic value in talking about those numbers specifically, but... Uh, as, uh, as, we, as
0: the big smile comes on your face.
1: We, yeah, we, 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 subcri- <laughs> we subscribe to um, more than doubling our business year over year as, as a, a key strategic target, right? If you can, you know, a company our stage, if we can have a, an aggressive gross margin, aka something north of 85-90%, um, we could be more than doubling on a year-over-year year basis, um, you know, while managing a, a pretty effective um, revenue per head um, um, number that I think would be relevant for a space. You know, look for zero cost, um, lead sources to scale in um, and, and an average. As organic uh, way possible plus focus on upsell um, you know if you get all those elements of strategy right it's 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 possible to continuously double but the amount of horsepower it requires is interesting because if you think about you know five years of selling since we launched from YC in 2011 let's say it was actually four years of selling once we figured out our motion every year you have to condense that previous four years of effort into the next year and then the five years of effort in the next year and if one of those elements of your strategy goes wrong or goes awry or you know something you can't control it it gets pretty tough to to hit that kind of scale but um, we've we've definitely uh, exceeded my expectations
0: well so let me dive into one of those numbers if you can chat about it so video the first thing i think about is streaming costs i mean are you able to stay in the 85 to 90 percent gross margin range and if so have you figured out to stay away from high 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 streaming costs
1: yeah so um streaming costs are an interesting thing right because like anything there's economies of scale based on the amount of uh, content that you publish so um, we're streaming in excess of 50 million videos a day Um, and we we subscribe to the netflix model of throttling our cdn and, and serving or service providers based on the latency of loading an asset so when you click play It needs to be within a certain threshold uh, to fetch that video from the service, otherwise we're moving the content and the bandwidth to another CDN provider. And over time, things get cheaper. Each new customer you add uh, decreases the cost of serving all of your customers uh, as you negotiate economies of scale downward. now, that's, that works for us today. Initially, the way we developed a high gross margin was by um, making sure that we provisioned a ton of value in the services and features and functionality around the basic hosting of the video. Because again, if you're just hosting video for a company, um, you're, you're competing against status quo, which is YouTube or Vimeo, which is free and monetized based on ads. And so there needs to be a whole bunch more in the package that justifies value beyond just video hosting anyways. Um, and so because of that, it kind of shifted our mindset from a product development perspective to make sure that we were delivering value that allowed us to sell the product at an aggressive market.
0: What's the, over the, you mentioned compressing four years of knowledge into one to keep doubling growth year over year. What's the, don't say anything typical, but I imagine if you're, you have a financial, a CFO who's the no man or the no woman, you've gotten pretty creative about customer acquisition. What's the weirdest thing you or someone on your sales team has done to acquire a customer?
1: You know it's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, this is not a typical answer. I've got I've got a myriad of these. If you want to keep diving into this, give me a few. One of the most recent things. Um, so email is kind of the victim of its own success, right? Email automation um, became such a productive part of a business that we started to celebrate one percent click through rate. <laughs> And I saw Gary Vaynerchuk talk at um, Rise Conference in Hong Kong last week, two weeks ago, two weeks ago now. Uh, He talked about how his email list in the 90s um, had a 90% click-through rate on 250,000 subscribers, right? Like huge success. Um, so what's happened is you have to leverage different mediums to get people's attention. And, and our sales reps were actually uh, recording webcam videos, uploading them into our service, uh, taking an image, dropping the thumbnail in the video, linking it to a sharing page, sending it to a customer. And then when the customer was viewing it, following up with a, hey, I noticed you watched my video. And the way that they were getting people's attention was by writing their name on a whiteboard, which was in the thumbnail of what they were sending them. And what we find is that that triggers vanity your response. Um, and we started to see an 8x increase in, in click through of um, emails that actually had a video embedded in them. Now I know this sounds you know super super self serving because this ended up being the product we built. But the reality is we built viewed it based on this use case to make it easier for our reps to do prospecting. Um, so when I first saw these whiteboards floating around the office, and everybody in BDR, SDR, and AE has a whiteboard and a stack of whiteboard markers at their desk, I thought it was the, one of the most ridiculous things. It was crazy crazy, but it's productive and it works and we've helped a bunch of other businesses do it as well. Um, so that's probably one of the more recent crazy things and that's one United. to one though,
0: Michael, right? Like you have, I imagine BDRs for oh, the yeah. account executives filtering down cause they can't make, they can't make a thousand of those videos a day. right?
1: No. I mean, the, the way to do it one-to-many is obviously, use a, uh, if you want to do it with videos, use a more personalized uh, tool. But yes, that is absolutely one-to-one. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting. As the rest of your day gets automated with sales enablement and sales automation type software, um, the only thing that's left for the rep is, is truly to be human and build rapport with someone on the other end of the line, right? You're not really doing anything else ideally, and anything else you're doing is kind of wasting your time. So, you know, we're finding that with a lot of these technologies bring the business or reps are actually more productive at one-to-one communications, which, which absolutely work because people mm-hmm. are so used to being automated to. Um, but the big question is, how do you get those names and those companies in the first place? And um, one of the things we did, which I think is a more you know effective practice these days, is we outlined a list of all of the propensity triggers that would indicate that someone is potentially ready to buy an aspect of our technology. And for us, that was a company that had north of 50 employees, was located in North America, was in high Less tech. than 50 or more than? Uh, sorry, more than 50 employees, located in North America, uh, high-tech, manufacturing, education, pharma, consumer packaged goods were our, our kind of five key uh, industry segments or verticals. Um, and we built a crawler that went out and scanned a database of all these websites and looked for companies with a video on the homepage. And if they had a video on the homepage, we crawled the site map and said, how many videos are across the entire website? And then we found the CMO, the head of sales, and actually worked with the group overseas to identify the contact information for those people and started filling in our database. And so then what happens is when a BDR and AE joins the business or when it was just me, I would use this database to set my own propensity triggers and uh, set up my own call cadence using a sales loft or something of that fashion and just run through a number of contacts on a daily basis because even though these automation things don't necessarily work as well as they used to, they still do work and it's still a big part of, of how companies like ours sell and scale. Is there
0: anything that you discovered was a propensity trigger that you just at the beginning thought there would be no correlation to being ready for them to buy?
1: Oh, interesting. I Um, mean, video on
0: homepage is like an obvious, right? They're using video, they have a need for video. Is there anything weird though that you discovered?
1: Hey, weird propensity thing. Um, One of the interesting things we often see is if there's a new leader in a business, um, often, especially a new CMO, they know that their success is based on finding that new opportunity to scale their business, scale pipeline in a as low-cost way possible. And we've had a few CMOs through my tenure here um, at Vidyard, and the shelf life of of a CMO is generally 18 to 24 months. And so when there is someone new coming into business, it's a great opportunity to target them because they're looking for that new, exciting thing. Um, And that was maybe not as much of a surprise when you contextually list it out, but is often a very difficult thing to identify. But companies are generally very public when they have senior and new leaders join their business. And so one of the things we started looking for was announcements of CMOs joining companies. That's
0: very interesting. Last set of questions here before we wrap up with the famous five. Um, when you look at, uh, I don't want to talk about LTV to CAC ratio because I'm sure you, you guys are killing it there, but talk to me about payback period. What do you like to yeah. keep payback period under in terms of months or years?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, we, we're a little bit more flexible with payback period on the basis that we're growth and we're trying to own and develop the category. Right? And you're
0: funded. I mean, you have yeah, runaway. And we're,
1: we're funded. So our payback period now is, is in the 18-month range. Yep. Um, but that is fully loaded. Like, I have seen companies that are a little creative with payback periods. A, a little so, is understating it. They get real creative. Yeah, right. So we're talking all marketing, all sales salaries, all campaigns everything lumped in the one. Do you even like
0: take your office rent divided by the total salespeople and whatever their share of office rent is, that is included in payback? Absolutely. So it is truly fully loaded.
1: Truly fully loaded. Like, you know, the house of no, my CFO is like no BS let's not lie to ourselves, let's build this in a, in a uniquely instrumented way. So it's funny because I've raised money before obviously and talked to investors and they're like, whoa, your payback period's like, you know, surprisingly high. I'm like, well, that's just like a fully loaded payback period. Let me show you what it looks like based on the way some of your other portfolios yeah. do it. It was a much more attractive <laughs> method. But, you know, I think you have to be honest with yourself because that number is is very telling of your business model and your success at scale. And it's something that you absolutely need to really start focusing on when you get to get to our stage in size
0: and you said you had i mean look this is changing as you go product line but you said generally initial ACV is somewhere around call it 30 ish grand so i can assume if payback's 18 months you're looking at a cac somewhere between what like 35 and 50 something like that
1: yeah, 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 and you know, it, it does vary quarter to quarter based on events and campaigns. And, you know, again, one of the things that we're really focused on now is um, is uh, zero cost marketing. And, and once your company gets to a stage where it has a brand and you have a good number of customers, you start to generate referral revenue and peer-based revenue and community-based revenue and stuff like that. So those are the real things that allow you to continue to scale and drive your your payback down, which gives you the opportunity of spending more money, more creatively on big things, which is why you see big companies do things like Super Bowl commercials, because they can afford to, because they've got this really nice referral and, and zero cost engine generating business. Uh,
0: last question here, if Salesforce comes in and offers you 300 million bucks for the company, do you sell? No so what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45 day money back guarantee. Okay. Again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. Michael, let's wrap up with a famous vibe. No, <laughs> number, number one, what's your favorite business book?
1: Oh, favorite business book. Uh, that's a really good one, and this is not going to be a fast answer. Um, or the last one you read? The last business book I read. It's been a long time since I read a business book. I've I've decided at a time to supplant my reading of business books with spending time. Execution. Companies larger than ours. Yeah. <laughs> <and> execution. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say I don't have a favorite business book. I, my favorite business book is Doing Business. That's great. Okay. Well, th-
0: this question will be better than. Is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? One you are recently with. <laughs>
1: CEO, I'm following or studying. Uh, I would say not a CEO, but a CMO, um, and that is Shannon Stubo, who uh, is a CMO of LinkedIn, who uh, actually recently joined our board. I'm learning a lot from her.
0: That's great. Number three, uh, what is, besides your own? What's your favorite online tool, like Acuity Scheduling?
1: Uh, my favorite online tool right now. I'm a big fan of Coinbase. Yeah.
0: Are you are you have exposure to crypto? <laughs>
1: yeah oh yeah lots i've uh, i'm just averaging in to basically all forms of cryptocurrency over you know a very long period of time with incremental purchases on a weekly basis yeah and a lot of here. the
0: typical SaaS people like who just don't have time to understand it, that's exactly what they're just doing like a weighted cost but just a couple hundred a couple thousand bucks every month
1: yeah you can't you can't you can't sweat the the, the fluctuations right because if it truly becomes what it possibly could be any price you're paying within the index now is is cheap.
0: Yep. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Number three. Ooh, I would say on average is about five. Alright, and what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Married. No and kids. No kids. Alright, and how old are you, Michael? 30. Alright, take us back ten years. One lesson for your 20-year-old self. Ooh, one lesson for my 20-year-old
1: self. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, say that one. This is an explicit show. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, you know, one of the one of the most important things I've learned um, recently is that you need a big support network uh, at home, and so if the person that you're with is not like perfect for you and able to read your mind and support you, um, and have kind of an undying devotion and commitment to you and what you want to accomplish and vice versa. Um, you will have issues in your life that, that are difficult to recover from when you have to work, you know, 120 plus hour weeks. So, you know, I would say, um, 20 year old might get out of that, uh, terrible relationship and, uh, spend some of that time and energy focused on building a business. I was
0: going to say, are you, I, I hope she's not listening right now, and that's not something happening now. That's something that happened in the past that you learned from, huh? Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I ended up marrying my our first customer, which is quite a
0: hack. Now, all you have to do is say you propose to her with a whiteboard video and a cold email,
1: and you're set. No, no, no. Back we had not booked tech yet, but uh, yeah, we take we take pretty seriously. It just doesn't scale L- oh,
0: That's oh. hysterical. There you guys have it from Michael Litt, founder of Vidyard. Again, they are growing, almost doubling year over year since the last time we had them on. They've passed 1,000 customers, additional product lines, growing not only wallet share on their current base, but expanding their total addressable market. 70 million bucks raised. They're just now dipping into the 35 million they raised in their Series C about 18, 19 months ago. They've doubled their team up to 300 people between Vancouver, Boston, and waterloo again helping you with video marketing and many many other aspects surrounding that space michael thank you for taking us to the top
1: thank you